0: Well, hey, good morning, you guys. It is so fun to be together. And um, my name's Meg McKinley. I'm the women's director here at Watermark Plano. And I know you've heard me say this every year. If you come to our annual Christmas coffee, it is my favorite thing we do around here. And it's really because I just love everything about Christmas. And the joy that kind of just wells up in me when I even start thinking about Christmas I honestly think it goes back to my memories of Christmas as a child, because I'm one of those kids with the memories that looks just like Pinterest, honestly. So, I grew up in Pennsylvania until I was about 15 years old, and... Uh our Christmases every year included long road trips to my grandparents' house. And that would be my, grand, my dad's family, grandparents, uh, in the mountains of North Carolina. And so we would take a road trip to them, and we always got to hike in the Smokies, which was amazing. And the other years, we would go to my mom's parents' home, and it was our family farm in Indiana. And that Christmas would always include snow-covered fields, barns, that a few of those years had ponies in it, and miles of kittens. Like, I just remember all the kittens. There were always barn kittens. It was like a little girl's winter dream of perfection. And that's what I remember. And I also remember every winter in December, the roads coming out of Pennsylvania were bad. I mean, they were always snowy. If anybody has grown up in that area, it was usually a treacherous Christmas journey from that standpoint but my dad was a super cheerful dad and he, would, he was an engineer so he loved planning how to put the chains on the tire, that dates me um, but yes, that's how you drove in the snow in the old days and get ready for the trip and somewhere along there he would always say, hey kids I trust the Lord to get us there and somewhere along the line he would add, and you know if something goes wrong, because it might I trust the Lord will help us know what to do and so honestly, I was never afraid to drive in the snowy roads with my dad because I trusted him. And part of the joy I know that came to me also looking back is just that anticipation and excitement that grew hour after hour after hour. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? As I was thinking of all the things that I knew were going to happen because they had happened before. And again, it's like Pinterest. I'm telling you, grandma and grandpa are flying open the doors. Aunts and uncles, cousins, they're loving you, laughing, hugging. We're so glad to be together because. We were the ones that lived far away, and we just didn't get to be together that much. And depending on North Carolina or Indiana and how many people were able to go on each side of the family, there was, I remember one year, we had 25 stockings on the fireplace. I mean, it was amazing. And then you know what happens Christmas morning when you have that many people. You wake up, and all of a sudden, the living room is transformed. Miles of gifts under the tree, over the couches, everywhere. Not because we particularly had any kind of money to do extravagant things. It was just the sheer volume of it, you know, and it was that joy of knowing one or two of those gifts had my name on it. Um, And then I also come from a, on both sides of my family, just a line of musicians, and so music and worshiping the uh, Christ because of the birth of Jesus, that was always part of what we did. It was the focus of what we did, and so there were always Christmas carols playing, and there were always, you know, uh, somebody at the piano, usually me and my little clunky trying to figure it out, singing carols. And those times just um, are in my memory of perfect things. And they just, it was just joy. And for me as a child, Christmas from beginning to end was just joy, like magical joy. Um, but I do, okay, let's be honest. I had no idea what it took for everybody to pull off the trip, the gifts, the packing, the going, the all of that stuff, the frustrations, the problems, because I was just completely unaware. Completely unaware. I just thought that joy dropped on my lap. And honestly it did for me. I didn't contribute much. But I know, as it's true for me, and it's true for all of you guys, as we grow up in life, as we journey through life longer, we become very acquainted with the problems of this world, um, just the brokenness of this world, the hardships of this world, and somewhere along the journey. We have to know how to find joy for ourselves, no matter if we're in a wonderful season or a really difficult season. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about how to find real joy in the journey of our lives. And if I were to ask you to rate your levels of joy today, how are you doing? You know, if I gave you a scale of 1 to 10 and said, what's your level of joy, how are you? Or if I asked you to turn to your neighbor and explain to your neighbor what true joy actually is, would you know what to say? I spent most of the month of November just diving into the Christmas story from the lens of the story of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. And these wise men were marked with joy. They were men of great joy, and there is so much that we can learn from them. So, what I want to do right now is ask our friend Courtney Schubert to come on up. And let's just listen to the story of Christmas through the lens of the wise men as she reads Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12.
1: Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thanks, Courtney.
0: Okay, here's the recap. We have a group of wise men, and we know they're not Jewish, Also, did you know they're not kings? That's what the Christmas carols would leave us to believe. But they're more like um, uh, Gentile scientific astrologers. Um, Think Persia. They're from the east, like modern-day Iran. And we don't really know for sure that there's three of them. The text doesn't say. But we assume there's three because they brought three gifts. And we're actually not sure how it is that they came to know that this star would mark the birth of Jesus the coming of the Messiah, the king of the Jews. And actually most scholars believe that probably Daniel and the faithful Jews that lived in the east in that region in exile 600 years earlier would have brought the scriptures and the prophecies that the Lord gave Daniel would have been embedded somewhere in that culture. And so these men clearly knew that. So they see a star in the sky. They know that it's time that the Messiah is here. And so they go get gifts. They get gifts that are fit for a king, gold, gold, and the first two essential oils, right? Frankincense and myrrh, that'll make some of you happy. But they probably, it's like 800 or more miles that they would be traveling likely on camels. And when they get to Jerusalem, they stop and they ask for more directions. And this is where they cause a huge uproar because they're talking about the king of the Jews coming with the Jewish priests are all confirming, yeah, these are true prophecies and King Herod's having a fit because he thinks he's king of the Jews and any other king would be a threat to his power. So he wants to kill the child. So he asked them, yeah, when you go find him to worship him, come back, let me know so I can worship him too. But the men keep going and they find the star over the home where Jesus is. And I love verse 10 where it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And honestly, you guys, it's just so you know—spoiler um, to the Christmas stories we grew up with—but it's probably months or even years after the baby was born. Okay, so they were not there at the birth. This is in a home; it's sometime later. And so, um, if you have nativity scene with the wise men, like just move them about eight to twelve inches out. <laughs> then you can be biblically accurate and feel good about your your sign, but your, your nativity scene. But. They were on their way sometime later. So when they they follow that star and it rests over the home with Mary and they come in and they see the child, they fall on their faces and they worship him and then they present him with their gifts. And then God warns them in a dream that Herod is a madman and not to go back and report where the child is but to escape. They're now running back home on camels, however that works, probably the longer route, more than 800 miles. So over 1,600 miles round trip. And that's how the story begins for them, and that's how it ends. That's all we know about them. And so, everything that we don't know, for everything we don't know about them, what we do know from that part of the scripture is that these men had a hard journey. Their journey was hard, and yet they chose joy in their journey. These were men that clearly believed God was faithful to his promises the Messiah was here, the King of the Jews was here by the star's sign. And they had confidence that following that star would take them where God was calling them to go. And so God called them to do something hard, but despite the hardship, they chose joy in the journey. And so we are all on a journey too, right? Every day we live our lives, we're seeking something. And every day we wake up, the world gets darker outside, the world gets more dangerous outside. And as much as we try inside our homes to prevent it and protect ourselves from everything... Hardship comes in our homes as well. And sometimes um, throughout life, there's just different kinds of hard on the journey of life. Some of the hard things we face are very sharp and acute and painful and shocking, like the death of a loved one and the grief that follows, the diagnosis of a disease, of cancer, and all of the devastation that it brings. And then other times, there are seasons of life, there's periods within our journey that It's just kind of this long, exhausting, constant, wearying kind of hard, like caring for an aging parent or um, dealing with a chronic illness or maybe um, raising a child with special needs. And then sometimes we just find we're in a season maybe of just monotony and things are hard because it's the same all the time. Where it's just on and on, year after year, of these unmet longings that we might have. And so everybody has different types of heart at different times. And the question is, what do we do to find joy on our life's journey? And the answer is, you guys, first of all, we look to God. We have got to look to God to guide us. And God gave the wise men a star to guide them, but the Lord gives us today his word. He gives us his Bible to guide us. The Bible is our guiding light today. And the Bible today will shine a consistent guiding light on our path and show us which way to go. And it's in Psalm 119:105 105 that says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. And so when we feel lost or hopeless or discouraged or frustrated We don't need a star. We don't need that kind of a sign. We need God's word. And honestly, so many people misunderstand what God's word actually is. A lot of people believe or maybe even just find themselves approaching the word of God, the Bible, as if it's a rule book or if it's just an ancient text that has stories of people so long ago that we just don't understand. But that's not at all what it is. God's word is his love letter to humanity. It's God putting his heart on paper so that people can know who he is, what he is like, how he loves us, See, God does love us and has put his heart on paper for us and he has pursued us and he's taken initiative to come to us. It's kind of like the heart of someone who loves another and, and pours his heart out in, in writing to, to make sure that that other person knows his desires and knows the plans for the future in in uh, this one's desires to woo and to call that other to him. That's very much when you look at the big story of what God has done over time. That is what we see in God's word. And so then, that's, we can connect that to Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. The birth of Jesus is the hinge point in scripture where God sent his own son to be born so that we can see and understand more clearly what God is like. He's an image of the invisible God, a visible image. And so we also can remember that that is another name for Jesus, God with us. So, the birth of Jesus is God entering into our world and coming to be with us. And when we accept Him as our Savior, then the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And that's when the Word can become alive and active in us. And when we approach God's Word that way, and we meet with Jesus that way, and we have an intimate relationship with Him through His Word, that's when we're filled with joy because it reminds us we're not alone. He is always with us, no matter where we are in the journey, no matter what our circumstances are. And when we come to the Bible like that and we study it and we understand the big picture of God, we come to understand God is faithful to his promises. Over and over, we see his promises that he made over time be fulfilled over time, and there are those that are yet to be fulfilled. And this fills us with joy. And see, that's what the wise men knew, that God was faithful to fulfill his promises. And so they knew and believed that their journey was gonna be worth it. And so for us today, for you today, you gotta know one day in the presence with Jesus in the presence of God is worth it. Your journey is worth it, whether it's hard or wonderful or monotonous. And when we anticipate God's faithfulness in the future, when we get on the other side of this part of our journey, it fills us with joy. And that's kind of like my, my um Road trips as a kid growing up at Christmas time, you know, I was anticipating and filled with joy because I knew it was coming and I trusted my dad. So we find joy in the journey when we understand God's faithful to his promises. We can trust him. And you know, sometimes um, the problem is that we don't understand what God's promises are. We're not sure what he has promised and what he hasn't promised, both in the big picture or in the details of our lives. But in the largest sense of of our understanding of God's plans and purposes and the promises he makes to us, you know, some of you um, think that God has promised to punish you when you sin or when you mess up or you make a mess of something, you know. And some of you think that um, avoiding sin and avoiding it is is the goal because you don't want to be punished by God. Um, And others may think that, hey, You know, when you get yourself into a mess, that God leaves you alone, he's out, abandons you, and so you gotta figure out how to get yourself out of the mess. And then hopelessness and despair comes when you're in a mess and you you created it yourself. We've all been there. You know, and then we can't find a way out. That feels very hopeless if we're alone and by ourselves. And then some of you may think that once you accept Christ as your savior, that sin won't hurt you The pain and the brokenness of this world won't touch you. And so when something happens and the brokenness does hurt, you're mad at God, God because you feel like he broke his promise. And none of those beliefs are true. None of those things are God's promises. When we sin and we mess up, God comes into the trouble and he rescues us, he walks with us, he saves us from our sin, he forgives us, he helps us learn how to repent, turn the other way and follow his lead instead of our own. And this is God with us in our troubles. This is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He shows us which next step to take. He doesn't punish us for sin, he rescues us out of it. And no matter how we got in there, he walks us out of it because this world is broken. And this is the good news. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is that, you know, we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas because he was born, but Jesus was born to die. So he was born to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins that we couldn't pay. And he was crucified, dead, buried, and then 3 days later he rose again so that we could be invited into accepting him as our Lord and Savior for our salvation, which starts the moment you accept Christ as Savior, and it never ends, all the way into eternity. And so when we look at the journey of Christ, it was incredibly hard for him. His journey took him to the cross, and yet he trusted his Father. He chose to walk the difficult path, the difficult journey, for the joy that he anticipated when it was finished. And that's the amazing verse in Hebrews 2.12. Excuse me, 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. He says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he, he, seat, he is seated now. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Just like the wise men, God will help us all do hard things as we trust him and as we anticipate his faithfulness. But, many of you might be thinking right now, okay, I uh, trust God's word for guidance. I know he's faithful. I understand many of his promises, but how do I actually get joy? Because I'm not sure i describe myself as a joyful woman. Um, and I will tell you, Google is like no help, none at all. That's where we got to the point in the message, and I was wrestling How do you define joy? Some of you know, we've talked about this. I've been asking everybody, how do you define joy? And you do a lot of looking up in sources and it's always described and it's very hard to define. So Google, so you know, has reduced um, joy to extreme feelings of pleasure. And if you go on for more of our world's definitions, it's joy and happiness as a feeling are the same thing. And that is not at all true, because remember, God's word is our guiding light, not Google. And so if you look at God's word, there's so much about joy in God's word. God's word says that joy is a fruit of the spirit. We know that from Galatians 5.22 that says that the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. So joy is something that results from having the spirit in us. It's actually something we possess when the spirit is indwelling us, sealed in Christ, But the best definition that I have been um, given in my search to really get a good definition is this. Joy is a lightness in our spirit that comes from fully grasping that God is good no matter what. Isn't that a great definition? A lightness in our spirit that comes from fully grasping that God is good no matter what. The path to joy comes from intimacy with Jesus and holding on to his promises. And it is a choice. It's not a feeling. It is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of, of gratitude. And it's independent of our circumstances. And it's something we need to pray for. We need to fight for it. Because unlike I thought as a kid, it does not drop on our lap. But joy is God's will for our lives. And we all know it, but a joyful attitude, no matter what we're going through, that is a glory to God and it's encouraging to others and it makes people go, what do you know that I don't? How can you be joyful? First Thessalonians five sixteen and on says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There are so many of you, so many women here at Watermark Plano whose lives are marked with joy as they walk through a variety of different things in their journey. And remember, we said hardship takes different types and forms, acute and long and wearying and just daily difficult. And so we've asked just a few of these women that we um, were able to work with for this morning specifically to just share with us, help us understand in a silent sort of way, how they find joy as they are working and walking through a variety of hard things. And you need to know these are women who are choosing joy in the middle of the hard. None of us are doing it perfectly. We are not perfect women, but we can be faithful. And we can see this in the lives of these women by the way they know Jesus and they hold on to his promises. So let's go ahead and watch. So awesome. That's so awesome. I just love that. There's so many stories behind that. And you know what? We want to take a minute just to do right here, just quietly, privately at the tables, just for you individually, is just take a minute and reflect. Do you know the answers to those questions? What kind of joy would you describe yourself as being in? And what kind of sustaining joy is Christ able to provide for you, and why? Why? And I think it's just a really good opportunity for all of us just take a minute and reflect on that. And if you look at the centerpieces of your table, there's those little table tents that are white that have the word joy on them. There's one for each of you at the table. So would you go ahead and grab those and pass them around and make sure you each have one. And the music's gonna play just for a couple of minutes. Everybody just stay in your seats and just quietly reflect. And if you can identify that, write it down. Stick it in your purse, take it home, reflect on it. Talk to the Lord about it this week. Let's just go ahead and do that for a few minutes. All right, so that might be a hard exercise for some of us. It's a good exercise. Remember, our definition of joy is a lightness in our spirit that comes from fully grasping that God is good. And one of the things we wanna make sure is that we're available to you guys. If this is an exercise that you wrestle with and you're like, I'd love to talk to somebody a little more about this, There's so many women here. You saw many on the stage. A lot of us that have been um, working together to pull this out. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you, talk through some of that with you and help you. It's an important part of our journey to encourage each other and to help each other keep our eyes on Jesus, to worship Christ with our lives. You know, in the story of our wise men, that's where we are, verse 11, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented their gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so we can see that the entire purpose of the wise men's journey was to worship Jesus. And they knew that the journey was hard, and they prepared for it. And they trusted God's guiding light to show them the way, and he did. And they believed it would all be worth it if they got there and they found Jesus and they could worship him together, and that's what they did. Their joy was complete in that time when they stood before God himself and worshiped him together. And our journey is going to be hard at different times, some harder seasons than others. But if our goal is to worship Jesus every day with the way we live our lives, the the best we can to cling to him and offer the best as we travel through all the ups and downs of, of everyday life, He'll sustain us with the joy that can only come from him. And then when we make it to the end of our life's journey, our joy will also be complete as we stand face-to-face with the Lord and together with others, we'll worship him and it'll all be worth it. And you know, as we are still in the journey on this side of heaven, that is one of the great privileges we have as a body of Christ, is that we get to lift our voices specifically in corporate worship together. We worship Jesus many other ways, But the corporate worship where we lift our voices together is a time where we remind each other and ourselves what's true. We can put our eyes on the Lord just for a moment before having to run and get lunch and find the kids and get back to all the chaos. But when we come together, we worship, we lift our voices. It's a time where we can get just a little taste of joy. And we're citizens of heaven. That means wherever we go, we bring to bear a bit of the taste of heaven on this earth now. And joy is a part of that. Joy is absolutely a part of this. And this is what the church has done together for over 2,000 years, is come together and worship. That's why we want to do it. And it doesn't matter if we can sing now or not. Evidently, in heaven, it's done with excellence, which means we'll probably be really good at it then. But the Lord may be asking you to do hard things, but he's with you in it and he'll help you get through it. And as you keep your eyes on him and trust him to guide you, you have access to his joy that will sustain you. And so what I wanna do just as we close, I wanna challenge us to choose joy. I just wanna pray that the Lord would use our final times together just in singing some more songs at the end here, um, just to kind of replenish us with joy, to refresh us with joy. And then when we're done, we're gonna stand and sing together Joy to the World, and I want us to sing sing it like we mean it. (laughs) Because we can have joy no matter the part of our journey, no matter our circumstances. So let me pray. Oh Lord, I thank you so much that you are with us and that you never leave us alone. And Lord, I do ask that you would just fill our hearts with a fresh supply of your joy, Lord as we sing your praises, as we cling to you, as we celebrate what you've done. Lord, I do ask that you would help us remember that you have come to us, you have given us yourself through Christ, through your Holy Spirit with us. And will you help us just declare your praises to ourselves, to our friends, to each other, to a broken world that needs you. Lord, we love you and we just thank you for this time of Christmas to celebrate with friends and family, even in the hard things about it. Lord, help us be women who sing joy to the world like we mean it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.